0: Amen. Thanks, James. All right, so Romans 1. We'll do a quick recap, and then we'll get into the new stuff. But All right, so Romans 1, verses 1 through 7. Okay, 1 through 7. Um, Paul speaks in 1 through 7 about the gospel. Okay, the beauty of the gospel, why the gospel is so important. That's 1 through 7. And again, we've covered all this, which is why I'm, like, flying through it. Enjoy it while, while you get it. Um, 8 through 15. Paul is eager to visit Christians in Rome, okay? He's eager to visit Christians in Rome. He is indebted by God's grace, verse 14. He's indebted to share the gospel with Jews and Greeks, both intelligent and unintelligent people, okay? Um, yeah, so, okay, we've arrived at our first kind of like side road. So it's, it's important in verse 14 to see that Paul is indebted to intelligent and unintelligent people, which is not like a diss or anything. He's just saying like you don't need your mdiv to know the gospel. Does that make sense? Like you don't have to be, you know, of a certain age or a certain intellectual capacity to know the gospel. And there are ways, you know, we teach the gospel, right? But but and words are extremely important. Words are the most important part of explaining the gospel. But we can also act the gospel, does that make sense? Through interpretive dance? Just kidding. But you can't. But like, but I mean like um next week. That's next week. So um just kidding. Relax. Just kidding. So um but like if someone if you watch someone it's like all you're gonna remember is the interpretive dance thing now. So if you watch someone forgive somebody for something that is just like, how can you possibly forgive them for this? Like That is an explanation of the gospel. Does that make sense? Like, even people who can't comprehend like the depths of theology can get why did you forgive that person, and then you can explain. Does that make sense? You follow that? Um, There's all kinds of good good examples of this. But like uh, Tim Keller tells a story of this woman at a job um, just completely blew it on a project, and her boss's boss was like, "What the heck? Like, what is going on here?" And her boss took the hit for her. And she goes to him after the meeting and, she's, and she says, I've seen a lot of men take credit for me so that they can get above me in a job, but I've never seen a man take blame for me in a job. Why did you do that? And he was like, no, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. And he, she was like, no, I want to know why did you do it? And he was like, well, because I've learned about this guy named Jesus who took it for me. And you see what I'm saying? Like this, There's ways to communicate the gospel other than just saying, like, well, if you look at this chart that I drew, you know what I mean? Like There are ways to communicate. So... The end of side road. Paul is indebted to intelligent people and unintelligent people in terms of sharing the gospel. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, um, that's 8 through 15. We get to 16 and 17, which is the what of the book of Romans, somebody. 16 and 17 is the what? The, the- Oh, my gosh, this is going to be such a good night. So, yeah, that's the thesis of the book of Romans, right? 16 through 17 is what is Romans about? I would start not with verse 1 but with 16 and 17, Does that make sense? That's what's going on here. And the gospel is the righteousness of God, verses 16 and 17. Okay, The gospel is the righteousness of God. Um, Let's just pick on one more time. Not picking on. It's not like that. James, What is? it's okay. I'll help you. The righteousness of God. What does that mean? What is righteousness? What, What is that? Exactly, dude. To be set right with God. Does that make sense? To be set right with him. Through the gospel we are set right with God. Through the gospel, we receive the righteousness of God. That's what Paul is so adamant about. It's about being set right with God. Okay, so that's 16 and 17, and then last week we covered 18 through 23, which is basically this idea of we need to be set right with God because we cannot do it ourselves. You follow that? We don't, it, you, you, you can look inside yourself and do as many push-ups as you want. It's, just, it's not going to happen. Like you, we, According to what we believe and what the text teaches, we cannot get ourselves right with God. So we need someone to do it for us. This is where Jesus comes in, right? Um, and according to Paul in 18 through 23, the reason we're all accountable to God is because we know that God exists we all know, and again, we did this last week, so I can't dig super deep. Um, we know God exists through kind of two ways, okay? One is kind of external, and one is internal. Samantha, do you remember? What's the external way? How do we know that God exists? Through what? Good, through creation. And not just like, you know, you look at a tree, and you're like, oh, well, there must be a Lord. Like, it's, it's the poema. You guys remember this? Poema. What word comes from Poema poem right through and this is verse 20 that's verse 20 through the poema of creation how how everything interlocks and the complexities and the systems it just it points to a design and we talked last week a little bit about how modernity kind of kind of waters that down for us it's hard to appreciate the awesomeness of the Grand Canyon when you can just change the channel on the Grand Canyon in 4K. Does that make sense? There's nothing wrong with 4K TV. I'm not that guy. But it, does, it has an effect. It, it, it matters. It does something up here. Does that make sense? It does something. Um, and the, so that's the external way. Anybody remember what's kind of the, and this is a little bit more complicated. I, this may not even be the best way to ask it. What's the internal way that we know God exists? Because everyone what? You're there. Maybe you were chewing on it, I thought it's okay if you don't know, I'll help you. Everyone does what, even people who don't believe in God do what everyone worship I know you were there, I know you were there alexa can you can you dig on that what what does that mean everyone you're right, you're right, but does everyone like bow to a statue or what's what do you mean exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Everyone, um, and again, for some of you who are new, you may be like, oh, pfft, what are you talking about? That's okay. We, we dug deep in this last week, and we can talk about it more after, but basically, even the atheist who does not believe in God at all, just this is an example. I don't know someone that's doing this, but like, even the atheist who doesn't know God at all is obsessed with his job and sacrifices his family to keep that job and to get higher up the ladder of that job. Does that make sense? He's he's hanging everyone hangs their hope on something. Everyone has something outside of themselves that they need in order to function and find joy and peace. Does that make sense? That's worship. That's literally what worship is. Like um it doesn't have to just be bowing to a statue or something. It's what do you hold your hope on. Does that make sense? So anyway, um, that's what we learned about last week. Hey, Paul. Great shirt. Um, so this is Paul. Paul's one of our adult leaders. He's amazing. Um, whew, yeah, we're finally ready for you to, I'm, I'm just like treading water here. <laughs> yeah, I need you to bail me out. Um, come on, g- play, give me a line, Paul, give me a line. So um, everyone worships, that's the internal reality. external reality is creation, right? And so, we all know we have to worship something. We all have to place our hope in something, but we don't place our hope in God. It's family, it's job, it's sex, it's dating, it's finding a spouse, it's money, it's, it's not caring about anything. We care so much about not caring about anything or whatever. Everyone puts their hope in something besides God. What happens when we do that? That's what this next chunk is about. Does that make sense? So again, just follow Paul's train of thought. We're all putting our hope in things. Unfortunately, we don't put our hope in God. What happens when we do that? That's what this next section is about. Verses 24 and 25 specifically tell us. A little preview of where we're going here. Um, you may have noticed, if you're new, I'm wearing a microphone, but I'm not mic'd. Is it because like I need the power trip? What's going on? So we use the microphone. Thank you, Jalen, for appreciating that joke. We, I use the microphone to record for our podcast that we'll release this evening. Does that make sense? So maybe, maybe tonight you're like, wow, I really enjoyed this. Or you're like, wow, this is trash. I want to keep listening to and bashing it more. You can do that too. Um, just search. PVN college on your mobile phone, your cellular phone, right? And you can find it, that was a joke. And you can find it there. Does that make sense? So that's what we're doing, we're recording it. Cool. So, where we're going tonight is this. Um verse It's li- it was literally all review. So you're good. Yeah, so you perfect timing, perfect timing. Um and then and then people on the podcast, I'm going to be like Paul's here and they're going to be like the apostle what are you talking about? Like Paul came to their It was wild. It was so wild. Um, So, all right, so 24 through 26, no, 24 through 27 kind of form a chunk, okay? 24 and 25 are about our hearts. 26 and 27 are about homosexuality, okay? So it's going to be super fun. So what we're going to do tonight is we spent. I spent a lot of time in the prep on 24 and 25, and there's just no way we're going to be able to build it back up to get into 26 and 27 this week. So we're gonna cut it in half. Does that make sense? So we'll get through 24 and 25 tonight, and pause, and we might even get out of here a little early. <laughs> so we might do that, and then 26 and 27 we'll tackle homosexuality, and and we're not tackling anything. We're gonna tackle what Paul teaches on this next week. Does that make sense? Do you follow that? Um, and and if you guys have questions, let me just real quick. And this is this is one of those where let me just do my thing, and then we'll keep going, and we can talk after. This is super important, especially as we get into this. I am aware of, this is not our first rodeo talking about homosexuality, um, nor abortion or transgender issues or what have you. Um, everyone is welcome in this Bible study, and you guys know that, and we will teach we will also teach the Bible in this Bible study. Does that make sense? I will do the best. The reason I spend so long, kind of weaving out thoughts and like, we're gonna spend an hour on two, ver- what are you doing? Like, I wanna link everything I say to the Bible. Does that make sense? Because I don't want you guys, this is this is what Ryan and, and that Paul have to say. No, we wanna learn what the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit is teaching about our hearts or about same-sex attraction or about sin or about hell or about death. Does that make sense? So. Show me in the text where you've got your, where you wanna chat. And we can also like, this is not the only time that we can sit and talk. Like we can get lunch, we can like, you know, many many a time at Panera have been spent chatting about this issue. Does that make sense? So that's okay. Um, we've talked about same-sex marriage before, politics, abortion, it's all on our podcast from previous like semesters. So if you really wanna know, kind of, it's not gonna be anything new, because it's the Bible, it's not gonna be anything, well, I'm not gonna add anything. So. Maybe go back and listen to some of the stuff that we've already discussed with same-sex marriage or some of these other issues. Does that make sense to everybody? Still friends? Everybody okay? So, and again, we'll, I'll leave room for questions and stuff and we'll chat, but, um, so let's get into it. Cool? Does that make sense? All right, you guys are the best. Um 24 through 25, so again, when we, when we worship things that aren't God, what is God's reaction to that according to Paul? And this is why we need the gospel, okay? This is why we need the gospel. Um, Harbin, I know you're brand new, but you just seem like you're going to kill this. Can you go 24 and 25? Is that okay? You're the man. Good. Okay. Let's go 24 and it's not going to be super short. Harbin, I know you're new. Don't worry. You're going to do great. Can you do 24 until I stop you real quick? Don't worry. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be super easy. It's going to be super easy. There's no like, there's no like electric, whatever. It's fine. Don't worry. It's easy. Don't worry. So just go until I stop you in 24 and everybody follow along with Harbin. Great job, Harbin. <laughs> Phenomenal. Okay, so God gave them over. That was really good. That was longer than most. That was good. was So God gave them over. You guys see that? Or handed them over. Does anybody have anything different besides gave them over or handed them over? Yeah, go ahead, Jalen. Yeah, delivered them over. Perfectly good. Yeah, gave them up. So it's all gave them up, handed them over, delivered them over. It's all the same. This context, this phrase for gave them over or handed them over, is tied to the Old Testament. Okay? Is tied to the Old Testament. All right. And it speaks of if you're a note taker, miracle worker, you may want to write down Joshua, I'm gonna make that joke every time. Joshua seven seven or Exodus twenty-two, thirty-one. I'm gonna repeat it. Joshua seven seven or Exodus, sorry, twenty-three, thirty-one. And here's what this is. These are examples in the Old Testament of the same phrase. God gave them over. He delivered them over. This is when God hands over Israel to be defeated in battle. You're not going to worship me. Therefore, I'm giving you up, handing you over so that you will be defeated by opposing forces. Does that make sense? That's the Old Testament. But here in Romans, it's the same word, but it's a spiritual reality instead of a military one. Does that make sense? There's still, God is handing them over, but he's handing over his creation who has abandoned him to be defeated not by another army, but by their own sins. Does that make sense? To be, and we'll explain more, to be taken over by their own desires. That's what's happening here. God gave them up, just to put it short phrase, God gave them up not to external enemies, but to internal desires. That's the real enemy here. Which is why prosperity preaching is such trash, which we'll talk about in a minute. Because again, it's not about, the real enemy is not external enemies, but internal desires. That's what God gives us over to. We'll talk more about that. Quick example here. In Genesis 37, Joseph is sold into slavery. Okay, church kids of the world. If you don't know what that is, that's totally okay. Joseph is sold into slavery okay, in Genesis 37 by his brothers in this land called Dothan, okay, in this land called Dothan. He's sold into slavery. He's not delivered yet. He's sold into slavery. Years later, just hang with me, years later in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha is in Dothan again. Same place, same place. And this is the story where Elisha and Dothan are surrounded by armies, and Elisha prays, and there's this army of angels that only he can see. If you guys have any idea what I'm talking about, the Bible is wild. So there's this angel army, and the angel army delivers Elisha from this evil army in Dothan. Same place. Now follow this. Here's why this is important. Um, God delivers Elisha in Dothan, but he hands over Joseph in Dothan. Why doesn't God deliver Joseph? You see what I'm saying? Here's why. The reason that God delivers Elisha and not Joseph is because Elisha needed to be delivered from conquering armies. Joseph needed to be delivered from himself. You follow that? That's the difference. Elisha needed to be delivered from conquering armies. Joseph needed to be delivered from himself, and all that's about to happen to Joseph in the later part of Genesis is Joseph being delivered from himself made more humble, made kinder, more forgiving, more wise, etc., cetera, et cetera, because God's ultimate care for Joseph in that moment is, there's something more threatening than an army that, that's going to get you, and I want to deliver you from it. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 1. We are being, in, in, unfortunately, in wrath, we're being given over to our own desires, to our own sins, okay? Um, we are our biggest enemy, okay? You are the greatest sinner that you know. I am the biggest sinner that I know. Okay, it's interesting. If you trace Paul's let, I know you'll go home and do this. If you trace Paul's letters chronologically, based on when he wrote them, does that make sense? You with me? Paul's last letter. Anybody know probably what Paul's last letter was? You guys know this? Anybody? This is Second Timothy. Okay, L- last in his life. Earlier in Paul's life, he calls himself the least of the apostles. Still pretty good. I'm the least of the apostles. Humble, but still good. By the end of his life, in his later letters, is when Paul calls himself the what? You guys know this? The chief of of sinners. The longer Paul lives, the more aware of his sin he becomes. Does that make sense? The longer Paul is alive, the more he becomes aware that his biggest problem is who? Is who? Himself. Does that make sense? That's what we're dealing with here. That's what's in the air that's going on in Romans 1. Let's pause. Thoughts on this? Questions on this? Anybody chewing on anything? It's okay if you're not. Paul? The the not-apostle Paul? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, 100%, Paul. I couldn't agree more, dude. I couldn't agree more. And and again, this is what we talked about last week. The gospel is God sending the Son of God to deliver us from the wrath of God. Well, God sounds pretty mean, yeah. But He's the one who provides the way out too. Does that make sense? He's the one who, in justice, hands us over, but in grace, what we don't deserve, comes back and gets us back. Does that make sense? That's why the gospel is so important here. Okay, let's keep going. Um, look at twenty four one more time. All right, let's get into some stuff here. Uh, Harbin, you just did such a good job. Can you just do verse twenty-four, the whole, the whole shebang? <clears throat> good. Someone tell me, the sinful desires or the lusts of their what? Of their heart. Does everybody have that in some form or fashion? Their lusts, their desires, their heart. Okay. If you can, if you don't mind, keep a finger in Romans one. And flip over to Jeremiah 17.9. We're going to do a little bit of Bible hopping this evening. So, And we're already over halfway. So this is going to be a short lesson. You guys are doing great. I don't want anybody to tear anything. So stretch if you need to. Jeremiah 17. And when someone's there, just tell me. Okay, summer. Jeremiah 17.9. This is one you guys know. Jeremiah 17.9. But think about... What Paul has just been talking about, he gives us over to the lusts of our hearts, the desires of our hearts, and then we hear this in the Old Testament in jeremiah seventeen nine go ahead, summer. The heart is desperately sick. okay, what does your say, Kenny? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So it's two ways of saying the same, the same phrase. The heart is, and honestly, this is, that's, that's arguably a worse diagnosis is if something is, so Owen, if something is not a trick question, if something is beyond cure, what does that mean? It it, it does. It does. Thank you for using the same word. It, yeah, it's, it cannot be fixed. Does that make sense? It cannot be fixed, it cannot, thank you James for trying to support him, it cannot, it cannot be fixed. So, so when God gives us over, when God hands us over to the lusts of our hearts, to the desires of our hearts, he's handing us over to something that is not gonna help us, okay? From Disney Channel, all the, no disrespect, from Disney Channel all the way up to your favorite political whatever, follow your heart is the message of the culture. Does that make sense? of 2023 for sure. This idea of following your heart. A lot, unfortunately, especially in, in counseling, and I'm not trashing counseling. Counseling is, I've been to counseling. we talk about that later, but I've been to counseling. Um, what a fun conversation that was, So, or what a fun few months that was. So um, it was really good, it was really healthy. But a lot of times, we can be encouraged to dig deeper within ourselves. Does that make sense? Dig deeper within yourself to find peace, to find deliverance, to find freedom, to find fulfillment. Biblically speaking, this can be very dangerous. Does that make sense? Um, This is just a quote. Follow, and it's a little intense, but that's part of the point. Follow your heart has ended more marriages and ruined more lives than the devil ever could. Follow your heart has ended more marriages and ruined more lives than the devil ever could could you two people are married and they're not they're just not into it anymore or two people are married and all of a sudden the husband wants to follow his heart to a different marriage or um you feel led by your heart to do something that ends up being destructive in the long run does that make sense following your heart and i know this is this is it's easy for us to say that here and then you go out and it's it's much harder but but we need to learn it eventually I have a book by a guy named John Bloom, and it's literally called Don't Follow Your Heart. Um, You guys familiar with a guy named Kevin DeYoung? Is have any idea who that is? It's okay if you don't. It's on YouTube. You should check it out. Kevin DeYoung gives a baccalaureate speech, which is, if you don't know what baccalaureate is, it's right before graduation. And a lot of speeches to graduates are about following your heart, finding your voice, go to the beat of your own drum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let it go, right? And Kevin DeYoung's point is, in, in the. it's like 20 minutes long. It's super short and it is profound, but he says, don't follow your heart. Don't do that because it leads to destruction and unfulfillment. Instead, And DeYoung's point is, follow the one who made it instead. Does that make sense? Follow the one who made it. You guys remember the story of Jacob and Esau? You know what I'm talking about? Remember when Esau gives up his birthright? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's okay if you don't. Um, church kids of the world, what does Esau give up his birthright for? For soup, right? Yeah, for soup. Wow, you guys are so good at this. So, in the text, in the Old Testament, Old Testament is written in what language? You guys know this? Hebrew, okay? In the Hebrew of that text, when Esau is desperately hungry, this is what he wants, does that make sense? This is what, it's, okay. it's not a sin to be hungry, but Esau is giving up everything for something that he wants. He's making a bad decision in the moment for, for he's sacrificing something that's so much bigger for what he wants in the moment. If you follow in the Hebrew, Esau's sentences get shorter and shorter and shorter. Does anyone remember, it's okay, does anyone remember the color of this soup? You guys remember this? It's red, okay, and and Esau's, first sentence in the text is super long, and the hungrier he gets, the less and less articulate and the more animalistic he becomes. It it, it eventually boils down to him saying red stuff, red stuff. He is literally almost an animal, which is what following your heart, the point of the text is, that's what following your heart does to you. It turns you into someone who is obsessed with sex who is obsessed with power, who is obsessed with money. It, it. We are taught as a culture that following your heart is what makes you the most human. Does that make sense? What fulfills you to the deepest part of who you are. The Bible teaches the polar opposite. The polar opposite. The more And again, well, okay, I'm getting to have some. We'll get there. All right, does that make sense? Are we all on the same page here? It's okay if we're not? Questions on this? Thoughts on this? Yeah, Anna, go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly right, Anna. It's a great way to say it. It's a great way to say it. Right. Right. So it really is rooted in the sin of pride. That's like a, that's like, it's like he's taking a microscope on pride and explaining what it is, which leads to, and this is important, um, and this is important. I wrote it in bold, so you know it matters. um let's go so go back to romans one uh Harbin I'm sorry, I just keep keep hanging on you, but you're just doing so well. Can you do just twenty four one more time? No, you'll do it more, but one more time this time. <laughs> he gave them up to the lusts of their hearts. These desires are coming, again, follow the text, not a trick question, Alexa, according to the text, these lusts and desires are coming from where? Their hearts. Just because you want something, that doesn't make it right. Does that make sense? Just because you, but I want it, that doesn't make it right because the argument of the culture is, why is it a sin if I want it so badly? If this is sinful, then why why am I made to want this this way then? Does that make sense? As if the more intense you desire it, the more innocent it becomes. Do you follow that? This is wrong. Yeah, but I want it. I want this, so it must be okay. And again, we'll get into this more as we keep going, but intensity of desire does not equal correctness of desire. Does that make sense? the more intense you want it, that doesn't all of a sudden purify the desire, okay? Look at 24 again. This, this idea, I'm not going to make you read it again. You did such a good job. This idea of, de- this word for desire or lust, does everybody have desire or lust? One of those two. This word, not going to be a quiz, just hang in. This word is epithumea, okay? Here we go. E-P-I-T-H-U- M-E-I-A. I'm going to spell it one more time, and then we'll talk about it. E-P-I-T-H-U-M-E-I-A. This is where we get the word epicenter from. Someone tell me, what's the difference, and there's not really, but help me here. What's the difference between the center of, well, what's the difference between the center and the epicenter of something? Do you know? Exactly. This is the core, okay? Now, Now, Paul says, God gave them up to their desires. He's not talking about, I haven't eaten lunch today, therefore I desire food, I'm hungry. That's not what he's talking about, not a casual, I'm going to a Braves game this evening and I'm excited to see, I want to see the Braves. Oh, you gave him up in your eyes? No, 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 it's not what he's talking about. The epicenter is the core of who you are. Paul is saying, Paul is saying, the core of what you want is not God. And because the core of what you want is not God, and you keep wanting what you want, and it's not God, God finally gives you up to that core, and it begins to rot you from the inside out. Does that make sense? He gave them over to the epicenter of who, this is the truest part of who I am, and God says, okay, I'll let you be your truest self, and it begins to tear you apart from the inside out. This is why, I'm not trying to step on toes, this is just, let's use dumb examples this week. Why are some sports fans so brutal to their teams when they lose? Because when what you worship lets you down, it's devastating. When the core of who you are lets you down, it's devastating. No, I'm not talking to the SEC. Does that make sense? We all on the same page here. I'm not trying to you can cheer and be mad at football games. That's okay. But the but like you you see how like Athletes' lives have been ruined by sports, by, by fans who won't let it go. Does that make sense? Like, you guys remember the guy, and again, I get it, it's heartbreaking, but the guy for the Cubs, like, over a decade ago, who, like, Moises Salou was going into the, to the stands to catch a foul ball, and the guy reaches over and caught it in his Does that make sense? Um, the dude got death threats and, like, is in witness protection now. Caught the fly. Now again, it cost them the game, and which eventually cost them the playoffs. I'm not lowering that part of it, but the dude is in witness protection now. You follow that? Like the guy gets death threats. Um, same with politics. Not that any of you can relate, but why do some Republicans hate Democrats, and some Democrats hate like just hate the people, not the issues, the people? Because when what you worship, when someone threatens what you worship. It scares you to death. It devastates you. They're coming after the core of who you are. You see how the core, when the core of who you are, if only, if only we could worship something that wasn't threatened. If only we could worship something that doesn't let us down. This is what happens with when we're given over to the core of who we are. When we are totally allowed to be our truest selves, we will eventually see that our truest, me too, our truest selves are not that great. They're not that awesome. Does that make sense? And not only are they not that awesome, there's actually a a darkness in there. There's a sinful that we have to be redeemed of. One more place. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and then we'll come back to Romans. We're almost done. You guys are doing great. James chapter 4, and someone just tell me when they're there, and we'll go. Will Okay, James 4, we're going verses 1 through 2. James 4, 1 through 2. Will, can you read that? And again, think about the core of who you are is what's causing the problems. All right, go. Look at verse 1 again. Will, according to that verse what causes, what's the one word, what causes passion, or well, there you go, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not what? Your passions. What you want is out of control. Does that make sense? That's what James is saying. This thing that you want is running over you so intensely that you're going to push people out of the way. We know from the book of Galatians chapter 5, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self, is self-control. One of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. This is what the gospel really does. This, So again, who cares about all this? Point it to the gospel. This is what the gospel really does. God's, and this is why, then, so let's go back to what we said earlier. This is why prosperity preaching is such garbage time, because... God's spirit doesn't ultimately deliver you from your finances. It doesn't ultimately deliver you from your cancer. God's spirit, help me, God's spirit ultimately delivers you from what? From you. Does that make sense? It ultimately sets you apart from you, frees you from yourself, opens you up to how wrong you are in yourself. In wrath, God gives you over to yourself. In love, he delivers you from who? Yourself. That's what the gospel does. Now again, go back to epithumea. The gospel is not just you walked an aisle and signed a card and now you don't cuss anymore or whatever. The gospel is the Holy Spirit reaches down to the core of what you are. John Piper says, what's at the bottom of your well? You know what I mean? What's at the bottom of your well? Well, I want to get a good degree in college and get a good job. That's a kid's answer. Why? Why do you want to get a degree and get a good job? Well, because I want to make money. Why do you want to make money? Well, because I want a nice house. Why do you want a nice house? Because if I don't get that, then I'll be homeless and I'll be alone and I'll have have no future. What's at the bottom of what you're trying? Does that make sense? What's at the bottom of your well? The gospel, through the gospel, the Holy Spirit, not Ryan, not that Paul, or the Apostle Paul, actually, the Holy Spirit reaches in and switches who you are. Does that make sense? You know the song, Church Kids of the World Unite, You know the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? You know that song? In the middle of the song it says, prone to wander, Lord I feel it. You know what I'm talking about? Well, if you're prone to do something, what does that mean? Exactly prone to wonder. My natural desire is to, is I'm bent away from you. The gospel reaches in and goes and bends you back towards God instead. It's not perfection. And we'll wait till we get to Romans seven in five years. It's going to be awesome. So just not really, but maybe. So God's spirit ultimately delivers you from yourself. The gospel rewires the epithumea of your soul. Does that make sense? He reaches in and changes the core of who you are. Let's look at 24, which will lead us into next week, and then we'll be done. Um, Let's go, wow. Harbin, you just want to get us to the finish line one more time. Let's go 24 one more time. Does anybody have any word in there other than impurity or an addition to impurity? Go ahead, Rachel. Uncleanness, yeah, it's good. Anybody else? Yeah. So this word for uncleanness or impurity, I think I'm in the NIV. This is a sexual connotation here, okay? He's not talking about just saying bad words or, or you know, violence or something. So follow this, and this will lead us into next week. Paul tells us that God gives us over to our sinful desires, and the first place he goes is to sex. Okay? Not murder? I think murder is a big... Like, why not murder or lying? Paul goes to sex. Why would he go to sex first? Okay? When Paul wants to show the outworking of what we worship, good or bad, his first example is sex, which will tie directly into homosexuality next week. So again, just follow the trend. This isn't this isn't conservative Ryan coming in with a hammer like, oh, here we go. No, I just want to follow. We're following the Apostle Paul's training of thought and the Scripture's train of thought here. When Paul, so he's talking about all this like deep, dark, like stuff that you can't really like see. Does that make sense? And the first example he uses is he turns to sex, which will lead us into next week. Does that make sense, as much as it can? We're on the same page? Alright, pause. So to kind of recap, we've talked about just because you want something in your heart, even, just because the depth of who you are, right, the depth of who you are deeply wants something, that does not mean that that thing is right. That does not mean that that thing is biblical or okay which leads us into this discussion of both heterosexual sin and homosexuality next week. I would highly encourage you, if you don't have it already, to grab Is God Anti-Gay? by Sam Alberry off the table. Because again, Sam is a same-sex attracted guy. He talks through Romans 1. It's excellent. Um, And we'll get into this next week. Okay? Cool thoughts on this, questions on this. And again, if you're like, dude, I I gotta, we gotta dig in. Let's get lunch and let's dig in some too. Yeah, go ahead, Will. Yeah, I think you, it's a great point, Will. So, like, one of the examples I heard, you know, Satan doesn't go, and we don't believe that Satan is the one talking to everybody, but, like, Satan doesn't go to a couple that's been married for 60 years and be like, hey, man, I think it's time for a divorce. They've been married for 60 years. It's not going to happen. He can only play the hand that he has dealt. He's only going to be able to take advantage of the things that you're already coddling the sins that you're already playing with instead of killing. Does that make sense? Like Matt Chandler has this great example of like, you know, there's this guy on YouTube who like had a pet tiger or something. And the tiger like mauled him. And people were like, oh, I can't and, and he's like, it's a tiger. Like what did you think? Was gonna you know what I'm saying? Like, um and Matt Chandler's point is like we think, oh what an idiot. But then we go and do this with pornography all the time. We go and do this with love of money all the time. And then when you're 50 and alone and hate yourself, it's like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know where this came from." Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. This is where it comes from. When we when we're not actively trying to kill our sins, they're actively coming after us. That Which is why again, this isn't like, "Now get out there and be somebody." This is we got to go back. This is where the gospel is so huge. Because the gospel is the presence of Jesus in our hearts now. So, so now, we, we, we want to struggle through this sin. You, you, you call your brother and you say, hey man, I'm, I'm tempted to do something that I know I shouldn't do. I, need, I just need you to get me out of my own head for a minute. Does that make sense? Like, This is where community is so key. What does James tell us? Confess your sins to who? You remember this? Confess your sins to, to one another. So that you can does that make sense? This is where this all comes together. So Paul's not just it is doom and gloom right here, but he's trying to point us to the gospel. Paul, go ahead, man. Go ahead. All right, I know, you look like you're chewing on it. Hmm. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm with you, bro. Absolutely. Other stuff. yeah man yeah yeah good that's right yeah a hundred percent that's that's exactly <laughs> right man it is it is a total trans- that's what we're trying to do that's what we're after is total transformation um so anyway, other stuff do you have something see you Kenny Say what now Why does he talk about sex first? you mean all right, so we're all right, so this is what we're gonna get into next week Ugh, summer come on but but let's give so we can no no you're you're exactly right but but that's what paul that's what we should be asking like murder's a big deal. why don't we you go there because here's here's kind of like a little snapshot here, okay um in ephesians five. Paul says that a man and a woman getting married, he says, but I am speaking of what? You guys know this? I'm speaking of... Oh, you guys don't know this? Okay. He says, I am speaking of Christ and the church. So when Paul... Paul doesn't say, ah, oh, Jesus in the church, that's a good example of marriage. No, 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 no. He says that a man and woman, that's a good example of Christ and the church. Marriage is a picture of of what pro- it's supposed to be. Now again, we're in a broken world. Marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of what God and his church are supposed to look like, okay? Paul wants sex to be, and not just sex, but, and again, the relationship between Jesus and his church is not a sexual one, but it is one of intimacy and depth and exploration and learning and growing together. That's what this is. Paul wants you to think in these terms, when it comes to marriage, there's, oh, I'm going to do it next week, but I'm going to do it again. So have you ever noticed in a wedding, okay, in a traditional wedding, it's okay if this isn't your thing, but in a traditional wedding, um, the dad will bring the bride down to the groom, right? The father bringing the bride to the man, which is straight out of where? In, in, oh, which is straight out of Genesis chapter one and two. Does that make sense? Have you no- I've done weddings before. Have you noticed, that doesn't make me like, a, you've seen them. So like, at weddings, the bride and the groom, now you, do, you could do your own vows, which is fine, but then we get into the I do's. The bride and the groom don't make their vows to each other. They make them to me. Does that make sense? Do you ta- I'm asking, do you take so-and-so to blah, 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 blah? I do. They're talking to me, not to each other. Marriage is this vertical ceremony First. It's not a horizontal ceremony to each other first. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm in the place of the Lord. It's a callback to Genesis 1. Marriage is this echo of the first marriage of Eden. The reason Paul goes after sex, I think, is because one, the reality of sex and marriage is what mirrors Christ and his bride most readily, most easily. The reason he calls out homosexuality is because Paul has been talking about man, when you you commit idolatry, you're choosing who over God. When When you commit idolatry, ultimately you're choosing who over God? Yourself. Idolatry is man spiritually choosing man over God. Homosexuality is man literally choosing man over God. Does that make sense? It is the most obvious outworking of this inward reality, which is why Paul cites it first, which is why he goes for... Se- now, Now, there's a great book. We might as well just... whatever. There's a great book by Christopher Ewan, Y-U-A-N, who's a same-sex attracted guy called Holy Sexuality if you're a homosexual, becoming heterosexual does not get you into heaven. Does that make sense? That doesn't like, you're in, like, no, because heterosexual people are covered in sin just as much. Does that make sense? So when Paul speaks of sexuality here, he's not just trying to make gay people, and then again, Sam Alberry gets into this too. He's, his point is not You have to stop being gay or you can't get into heaven, but you do have to repent of this, just like we all do. I am wired towards heterosexual lust. My least favorite day of the week is Friday, not because I'm in, Fridays are great, but because I have my day off on Friday and my wife is a, Kristen is a teacher, so she's at school and I'm at home, fellas, by myself all day and pornography is just knocking at the all day long. Lust is all, I'm wired that way. I am wired, not in a homosexual way, but I can also say, if this is so wrong, why do I want it so bad? Does that make sense? Same-sex attracted people are not the only people who can make that argument, which means they're not as alone in this fight as as they think which is good news we all sam alberry says we jesus christ says whoever wants to come and follow me has to do what church kids has to do what well yeah has to, the verse says to do what now deny himself and take up his cross whoever wants to follow me whatever republican wants to follow me has to pick up his cross whatever same sex attracted most polar opposite of of who this other person is, that person has to take up their cross. And everybody in between. Does that make sense? The call, the gospel call is for everyone. And sex, the reason Paul goes, I think, for sex first is because, and this changes how we see sex in relationships and marriage. The whole thing points to Jesus and his church. God invented marriage for a reason. Like Matt Chandler says, he didn't create Adam and Eve and like walk away and come back and be like, oh, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, he, no, no, no. He invented it for a purpose, to point to this life-giving union. This is, this is Christ and the church. Um, when, when the disciples, I'm almost done. When the disciples go, not really. When the disciples go in Matthew 19 and, and the Pharisees try to trick Jesus and say, can we get a divorce, Right? Jesus goes back to Genesis 1, which is about what? But what's the one word? Genesis 1 is about what? Creation. He d- follow this, oh, he doesn't, when Jesus wants to teach about marriage, he doesn't teach about marriage, he teaches about creation. That, that's a huge flag for what's going on, which means that in order to understand marriage, you have to understand what? Creation. It's connected. Um, this is wild. History is crazy. So, uh, in the '60s, no-fault divorce is what is the legal gay marriage did not become a thing in 2015 with the Supreme Court. It did in the '60s when Ronald Reagan, of all people, conservative Superman, of all people, tell that to your aunt and uncle who who watch Fox News all the time. Sorry, whatever. I have to take it off the podcast. So. He signs into what's called no fault divorce, which means you can get a divorce basically because you want to. There doesn't have to be abuse anymore. Because he was divorced. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, call the thing the thing. You can get a divorce whenever you want now, which means marriage is no longer based on a covenantal difference between male and female. It's based on how you feel. You stay married as long as you feel like you want to be married, which is why following your heart is such so devastating because there will be days where you don't feel like staying married. There will be days where marriage is great, but you get it, you'll see. All right, so um, now that no-fault divorce becomes a thing, marriage is strictly based on emotional union. Does that make sense? Well, if a man and a woman can be united emotionally, why can't two men be united emotionally? That's where it comes from. And, it's st- and, and we can't argue back because legally they're right. Because marriage is no longer... Now, biblically, which is where it originally is and should be, this is where marriage is between a male and a female and the, and the creational difference. But you see what I'm saying? This is where knowing your history is so important. Because the biblical argument has never changed, but the history has. The legality of it has. Right? And this is why, this is why we do what we do in here and we go through Romans verse by verse at a time, and we go through Acts on Sunday mornings, wink, wink, verse by verse at a time, because this is where it all comes from. This is why it's so important. Does that make sense? It's okay if you don't agree, but does that does that at least make sense? Um, Great question, Summer. Okay, so 20 minutes later. Yeah, go, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. James, are you still in Romans? can you get, Can you just read verse 27 real quick and then we'll be done, maybe, I don't know, whatever, we'll see receiving the due penalty for their error where? it's at the very end of that verse no, no, where do they, re- within themselves yeah, sorry, I didn't lead you well there, that's on me Receiving the due penalty within themselves the, and again, this applies to heterosexual as well the, the sexual sin is in and of itself a penalty it's not we had sex before marriage and then we're going to get punished for it later, maybe, but the sexual what Paul is saying is the sexual sin in and of itself is a penalty in Romans one we talked about earlier, it says god's wrath is being poured out Rachel is is present tense or past tense. God's wrath is being poured out. Part of the sin, the sin is part of the penalty. Does that make sense? Okay, if you guys want to stay later and chat, we can. Um, Alexa, can you pray us out and we'll be done? We have to-go boxes for you if you want food. Get books. Let's chat more. Okay.